Welcome to 2016, The Life of Christ, Term 1, Lesson 1. Last year we left off when the angel came to Mary and spoke to her. In what he said to her, he informed her that her cousin Elizabeth was also pregnant. Okay, And so now we pick up in Luke chapter 1 and verse 39. And it says, Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. Now it says, And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe, now it was over six months old, leaped in her womb. All right, And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. It all happened instantaneously. Okay, For Elizabeth to be filled with the Holy Spirit at the same time is extremely significant because except for two occurrences in Exodus, this is the earliest mention of someone who is not a prophet, a priest, or a king being filled with the Holy Spirit. All right. Now she was uh, from priestly stock, but she wasn't herself a priest. Do you understand? Okay. And it was a woman too. It was to herald the dawn of a new age, in which, as the Apostle Paul said in Galatians 3.28, there would be neither Jew or Greek, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female, but that all would be one in Christ Jesus. Thank God for that. Absolutely. Amen. I mean, I think it's, it's one of the things I feel that this world really needs. You know, the, the church should have been leading the way in this. Sadly, it seems to be behind in this. More than the world. And, uh, you know, that, that really saddens me because we should be the ones standing up and saying, Hey, we are made in the image and the likeness of God. Amen. And God made us this way. He made us after His image, His likeness. There was not one better than the other. Okay, we're wired differently. And we were not meant to say one wiring is better than the other. Amen. We were meant to recognize the differences and allow the differences to complement each other's weaknesses and be strong in more areas than we could be by ourselves. Amen. All right. Continuing in verses 42 through 45. Then she, Elizabeth, now filled with the Holy Spirit and under his inspiration, spoke out with a loud voice and said, Now, you know, this wasn't a quiet, peaceful little thing. You know, so, <laughs> you know, if this was done in sort of a denominational church, it would be all very reverentially done. She screamed out. She's yelling now. All right. This is a loud voice. Are you all with me? She said, and she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women. Now this is incredible because remember she's older. All right? And literally what this says is Mary among all women on earth you are the most blessed one. And blessed is the fruit of your womb, meaning that Mary is definitely pregnant now, okay? <laughs> all right? Verse 43. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Now this is all information. She didn't call her up on the phone and say, "Hey, guess what?" Okay? She has just seen her. And remember the babe leaped in her womb. She was filled with the Holy Spirit. What are one of the things of the Holy Spirit? The, the revelation gifts. Remember? They're actually called manifestations. They're actually not gifts. They're actually manifestations. If you have the Holy Spirit, He'll manifest nine different ways. Are you all with me? And we need to see them as manifestations because otherwise we think, oh, some are gifted to do this and gifted to do that. But if you have the Holy Spirit, He'll manifest Himself however He wants. Whatever is needed at the time, He's there. Are you all with me? And I think if we change our thinking, then we will allow 
whatever manifestation to come forth rather than say, oh, no, I'm not gifted for that. You have to go and see Brother Leo for that. Or Sister Susanna for that. No, you need to see the Holy Spirit. Amen? And you, all you need is Him. And He will manifest, however. And so, one of the manifestations of the Holy Spirit is the knowledge area. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge and prophecy. Okay, where you, can, you know things you shouldn't know. <laughs> Amen? And that's the reason why, you know, we should never be surprised. Not in a negative way. Okay, we should be surprised in a positive way when God tells us something, reveals something to us, and we go, wow, really? And he goes, yeah, really. You're, you know, okay, do you understand what I'm saying? And this is one of those times where you're, you're seeing now that the Holy Spirit has manifested himself and revealing things to Elizabeth that she couldn't possibly know. And out of her mouth is coming basically a prophecy, you know, combined with an adoration. Absolutely. She's saying, you know, why, why am I getting this privilege, basically, okay? But why is this granted to me? She says that the mother of my Lord, look at that, my Lord, how does she know that he is going to be her Lord? She says that the mother of my Lord should come to me. All right, and MacArthur says it was a profound expression of Elizabeth's confidence that Mary's child would be the long-hoped-for Messiah, the one whom even David called Lord. Verse 44, it says, For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greetings sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Now see, this is where I believe it actually happened. As soon as she heard the greeting, something happened. Amen. All right. Like Elizabeth, John too was filled with the Spirit according to the prophecy given by Gabriel in Luke one fifteen, where he said, that is, he, John, will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. There it is. And so as soon as Mary entered the room, John knew that he was in the presence of the Messiah and leaped for joy. I believe that. I think that's exactly what happened. Amen. I, just that works for me. Verse 45. <laughs> okay. It says, blessed is she who believed. And Elizabeth continues, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Now, in his commentary, William Hendrickson writes, what deserves special attention is this outstanding fact, namely that in Elizabeth's entire exuberance, now listen to this carefully, this is very important, okay? In Elizabeth's entire exuberant exclamation, envy never raises its head. Okay? Elizabeth was, after all, much older than Mary. Yet this aged woman is deeply conscious of her own unworthiness and genuinely rejoices in the joy of her much younger relative. I think that's beautiful, that we can just rejoice in what God is doing in someone else, through someone else, and not be standing there thinking, why doesn't he do it through me? And why? <laughs> okay? This is something we need to really get over. All right? Every one of us have been called to something very unique and very special. And we need to be happy about the part we've been called into. Amen? Amen. All right. In response to this revelation and blessing from Elizabeth, we have Mary's famous hymn of praise in Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 56. Now, this is a big section, okay? Where it says, I'm going to go through this slowly. Because sometimes I go through it very fast. I listen to myself on the CD and I think, my God, I went like a train through that. Okay. <laughs> I feel sorry for you guys. All right. So, I'm just going to slow down and go through this, okay? All right. I won't put you to sleep. 
but I won't go so fast that you don't know what happened. Alright, it says, and Mary said, my soul. Now, when she says my soul, this is the essence of who you are. Alright, some people believe it's just your will, your mind, will and emotion. And if you want to believe that, that's fine. But I believe this is the part of you that is you. The essence of you. Okay, because it said and man became a living soul. Not just a conscious soul. If it's just your mind, will and emotions, it's consciousness, you understand? But it said living. So there's something living there. Okay, within your soul, alright? So when she says here, my soul, that's the essence of who you are, magnifies the Lord. And my spirit, now this is interesting, she's making a distinction between her soul and her spirit. So in herself, her essence is magnifying the Lord, but now watch, and my spirit. Now, your spirit is what originates in God. This is the part of God that connects back to God. And goes... Thank God. (laughs) Finally, all right? Because its home is God. Do you understand? That's why in Ecclesiastes, I don't know. Oh, I do have it. Good on me. Uh, Look at your uh, footnote in Ecclesiastes 12, 7, the third footnote. Uh, It says, for then the dust will uh, return to the earth. That's talking about your body. And the spirit will return to God who gave it. Isn't that interesting? Okay? That's the reason why people that go to hell... They lose their spirit. That part goes back to God. If a human spirit, if ever that spirit went to hell, it would devastate hell. Because it's made in the image and likeness of God. It is the essence of God in you. Isn't that beautiful? Alright, God put that inside of us. That's the reason why our soul, when it makes a decision, it causes our spirit to link back to God. And that's why we can hear Him. And we, we need to hear Him. Amen? We were designed to hear Him. And designed to have that dialogue. Amen. Alright. So again, uh, she says, In my spirit, that is the God part in you, has rejoiced in God my Savior. Notice? It's going hallelujah. Alright. MacArthur writes, Mary referred to God as Savior, indicating both that she recognized her own need of a Savior, and that she knew the true God as her Savior. Nothing here... This is very. This is key. I like what he says here. He says nothing here or anywhere else in the scripture indicates Mary thought of herself as immaculate, that's free from sin. Okay, she never said that. She knew. Okay, she knew she wasn't. Religion has said, but she knew. Okay, nobody was perfect. Amen? Nobody was perfect. I mean, you know what? God looks for perfect intentions. He can't find a perfect person because when Adam fell, everybody fell. It just became a condition. So you can't suddenly pick one person and say, oh, they were perfect. Exactly. Exactly. If you could, there was no need for Jesus. All right? So, so she knew in herself. And isn't that, I mean, think about this for a second. What a profound thought. That you have something perfect inside of a vessel that's not perfect. And an imperfect vessel is carrying a perfect entity. That is God Himself. Wow. Verse 48. For He has regarded the lowly state of His maidservant, which is an expression of humility. She's talking about herself. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. Now she's not saying... See, when she said that, that was like a, oh, I'm so wonderful and I'm so great. Okay? She understood who she was carrying. She understood that 
down the ages, they're going to look back and go, wow, <laughs> this is what happened. You know what I mean? Yeah. She carried him, you know? <laughs> okay? All right. Um, the literal text says, all generations are going to praise God because of the marvelous manner in which he has honored me. Mary now turns her attention to God's power, holiness, mercy, and strength, and says, verse 49, For he who is mighty, referring to the fact that he is all-powerful, she is recognizing this. Now, this is only a baby on the inside of her. Okay? Uh, Gabriel didn't say so much to her for her to get all of this. But she has a spiritual awareness, because the Holy Spirit has manifested on the inside. Mary and her cousin is having a spiritual experience. If I could put it that way. Alright? Okay. And so he says, For he who is mighty, referring to the fact that he is all-powerful, has done great things for me. And holy is his name. Now watch. She didn't say, I'm so wonderful. She said, For he who is mighty has done great things for me. We can say the same thing. As amazing as the new creation is, if not for Jesus, we wouldn't have it. Absolutely. Are you all here? And as much as we know we can um, uh, be excited about the fact that we are more than conquerors. Greater is he that is in me. God is for me. Who can come against me? And all those amazing scriptures. That all ends up still with, without Christ, none of that would be possible. Amen? And so as much as we understand, and you know, it's good that she didn't put herself down. Because we need to be careful that we don't put ourselves down because then we are putting God's creation down. Absolutely. Are you all with me? So we need to be careful. We need to understand what an amazing creation we are, but understand that that's only possible because of who lives in you and whose you are. And if, none of those, no, if those two things weren't true, then you're in trouble. <laughs> okay? All right. Amen. And she says, and holy is his name, meaning that he is sinless, that's what holy means, okay? And we'll only use His power to uphold what is right, true, and just. Holiness will not do anything unjust, untrue, do you hear me? Or anything false, okay? If any of those were true, then that person would not be holy. Do you understand? Okay. Verse 50, and His mercy, meaning that even when we fail, thank God for this, He is first merciful. Okay, and his mercy is on those who fear him. Literally, those who in heart and mind are filled with reverent regard for God. Did you catch all of that? Okay. From generation to generation, Hendrickson says, the present passage is only one among many that stress the favor of God and his never failing kindness. Not on everybody, but on those who stand in awe of Him and love Him. Amen? See, so, okay, we need to talk about that for just a tick. <laughs> just, some people say, oh, we don't need to get saved because, you know, God is Father of all and we, He's merciful to all and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And you know what? He is merciful to all, but you've tied His hands. Absolutely. Amen. And if you keep doing your stuff, then he has to be judge. James talks about that. You know, he had a, quite an interesting church. They weren't all very good. <laughs> okay? And one of the statements he makes is he said there's God's judgment and God's mercy. God wants to show mercy, but it depends on you. That's right. 
Do what's right and his mercy will win out over his judgment. If you don't, on the other side, what's not said is if you don't, you're in trouble. And you can't be going, yeah, but I'm a Christian. It won't help. You're still doing dumb things. Amen? You're still incurring that wrath in that God's going, don't do that. Especially when you do bad things to other Christians. Amen? The book of James is fantastic. I taught the whole book and one day I'll get to it. Anyway, back to this. So he says here, uh, verse 51, He has shown strength with his arm, denoting his power, and his willingness to show favor and strength to those who reverence him. But to those that oppose him, it goes on to say, He has scattered, dispersed, broken up, and chased in all directions the proud in the imagination of their hearts. Alright? Referring to the very core of man's being. His inner self, the mainspring of drives, emotions, thoughts, words, and deed. There's a lot of information there. Do you want me to go through that slowly, or are you guys okay for a minute to just move on? Just move on? Okay, let, let me just say this. We know who this is, don't we? We know these are the Pharisees, the Sadducees that are going to come and oppose him. That are going to really, you know, they're going to think they have a case. And he is literally just going to level them. We will see confrontation after confrontation. It's sad it all starts out nice. Except he cleans, you know, the cleansing the temple thing. Which happened twice. One at the beginning, one at the end, which speaks volumes. You know, right at the beginning, it's like, this is wrong. Straight away gets on, you know, puts all of the religious leaders on the back foot. You know, that is like, fix this. And then before he goes across, he does it again. That's very significant. When we get to that, we'll really talk about that. All right. So again, he says that he has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. Verse 52, he has put down the mighty from their thrones. Meaning that throughout the course of history, God's mighty power has repeatedly humbled arrogant rulers. Now, Daniel chapter 4 verses 30 through 37 has a brilliant uh, example of that. Uh, I think it's Nebuchadnezzar and just all the things he said, I'm a god and I'm all this and I'm all that. Next thing he's eating grass. Okay, so, <laughs> okay. not the way to get your veggies. Anyway, so, uh, and then, you know, he gets his right mind back and he realizes what he had done. And uh, he acknowledges God as God from that point on. Anyway. And, he sa- and again she says, He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. Verse 53, He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich He has sent away empty. Now Leon Morris says, In the ancient world, it was accepted that the rich would be well cared for. Poor people must expect to be hungry. This is how they thought, okay? But Mary sings of a God who is not bound by what people do. He, ter- he turns human attitudes and orders of society upside down. Alright? So what he's saying here, what she's saying, see, when we look at this, we think, ooh, it's bad to be rich, and then people looking at this would say that. But what she's saying here is what the thing that has been prevalent in society, in prevalent in, what was prevalent in society was that, yeah, the poor, they go hungry. That's a, that's a thing. And the rich, they're always filled. Do you understand? And what she's saying now is the exact opposite. We have to stop doing this. She said, he's going to come and he's going to change that. Amen? He's going to start filling the poor. 
okay? And the rich are going to go hungry. We're going to see how they're going to go hungry later on. One of the things, and let me just say this. We remember that rich young ruler? And he comes to him, and uh, he says, what can I do to inherit eternal life? Remember that? We will look at that. Okay, we'll look at that. And he's... And, at the end of it, he said, you know, do all of these things. And he said, oh, I've done all those things from my youth. Okay? And he said, fine. He said, well, here's a commandment that says, love your neighbor as yourself. So if you love your neighbor as yourself, then everything you have, you'll want your neighbor to have. I mean, if you love him just like you do yourself, then all your money, you can, you know. He said, go away, give it all away. And he said, come follow me. What happened? He couldn't do it. And he walked away sorrowful. But I'm so glad Peter opened his mouth. <laughs> okay? And says, uh, we've left everything. What do we get out of this? <laughs> okay, pretty much. And Jesus said, hey man, you get a hundredfold return now in this life. Had that rich young ruler known that, had he just hung around? Wow. Can you imagine how wealthy this guy would have been at the end? Because it was now in this life. So whatever he gave away, God's not going to be a debtor to anyone. He would have got a hundredfold back on the thing. Good way to start the, the church of Christ. Amen? Meanwhile, you know, we got a thief in the midst of us as well. We need another treasurer. This guy's just, just you know, <laughs> okay? And Jesus, honestly, I truly believe with all my heart, he was looking for a replacement there. It's like, I need somebody. If Peter ever finds out about Judas, they're going to kill him, man. And say, we don't know what happened to him. <laughs> okay? I think he fell off the cliff on accident. You know? <laughs> you know? He had an accident, fell backwards on the knife six times, you know, whatever. But, <laughs> you know, one of those accidents. <laughs> so, um, and I think, you know, I honestly believe, but remember he went away sorrowful. You know what? We could say he went away empty. Mm? He wasn't fulfilled. All right, And so all those rich that want to hang on to their riches, and that's why Jesus said, you can't serve God and mammon. All right? And mammon is anything to do with having riches as your God. Not having riches, but having riches as your God. If you serve riches, we're in trouble now. Okay? All right. Okay. So, following this, Mary now turns her attention to Israel and the promises God made to Abraham and says in verse 54... He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. And he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. Remember Galatians 3.29? Where the Apostle Paul says, if you belong to Christ, then are you Abraham's seed. And heirs according to the promise. As he spoke to our fathers, I'm going back to verse 55, to Abraham and his seed. You're a part of that. Amen. Amen. And Mary remained with her about uh, three months, that's with Elizabeth, uh, most probably leaving just before Elizabeth gave birth, so as to avoid any awkward questions and disagreeable confrontations that may have risen between herself and some of Elizabeth's neighbors and return to her house. Okay? Because Mary would start showing by then. The story now returns to Zacharias and Elizabeth. Uh, we'll go for another five minutes and we'll stop. With Luke chapter 1 verse 57 through 65 saying, now I know this is kind of intensive as we're going through it. It will settle. I promise. Okay? Alright? Okay. Um, it says here, verse 57, Now Elizabeth's time, full time came for her to be delivered. And she brought forth a son. 
just as the angel Gabriel prophesied, okay? Verse 58, when her neighbors and relatives heard how the Lord had shown great mercy, that actually meant kindness as well, to her, they rejoiced with her. Alright, so Leon Morris points out that the birth was clearly of widespread interest among the mother's family and friends, and many of them came to share in her joy. This is the reason why, again, that Mary left. We did not want this to run into something else. Verse 59. So it was on the eighth day, that's according to Jewish law now, that they came to circumcise the child. And they would have called him by the name of his father, Zacharias. Alright, now the spiritual Bible says that the male babies were named on the eighth day, at which time they were circumcised. Ordinarily, the child would have been named after, the, after his father. So that, that's a thing they used to do. Alright? His mother... <laughs> the original text says decisively rejected the idea <laughs> it doesn't actually bring that out here but in the original text that's what she did it was like no way you're not going to call him that no. now this is a problem do you understand Okay. so his mother decisively rejected the idea and answered and said no or literally definitely not he shall be or literally must be I like the original text it actually says he must be called John I can just see all of them going, who is this woman? Alright. Now, MacArthur says that Elizabeth had learned from Zacharias in writing, verse 63, everything Gabriel had said to him. Alright. Verse 61. But they said to her, there is no one among your relatives who is called by this name. Alright. And since they were making no progress with her, watch this now. Alright. Goes on to say, I mean, wouldn't this be insulting? I think this would be insulting. Alright. So they made signs to his father. <laughs> Because we're not getting anywhere with the mother. Watch this now. So they turned to him. Excuse me. All right. Forgetting that he, <laughs> okay, that he could hear. And in an attempt to get his attention, uh, he's not deaf. He just can't talk. Amen. All right. What he would have him called. And he asked for a writing tablet. And he wrote saying his name. It didn't say shall be called. Isn't that beautiful? Watch what said here and what's not said. He literally said, his name is John. Do you know what, what that means? Right from the beginning, his name was John. Do you hear me? It wasn't like, now we're naming the kid, and let's see what we want to call him. James, no, Daniel, no, uh, John, yeah, maybe. No. Okay, it wasn't like that. He already had a name. Amen. I love this. So, let's go on. So in the literal, sec, literal text, Zacharias actually says, John is his name. Not only confirming Elizabeth's, Elizabeth twice there, Elizabeth's statement, but more importantly, that the child already had a name given to him by God. And it was John. And so they all marveled. I guess so. Okay, Primarily over the total lack of doubt or hesitancy on the part of both. Huh? There was no division here. So the mother has done something totally uncharacteristic. The father has backed it up without blinking his eye. And they're going, wow. Okay, this is not normal. Okay, so this is all. Do you understand? This is all adding to the testimony of what actually went on. Verse 64. Immediately his mouth was opened. This is incredible. You know why? Because he is in agreement. Remember before he said, yeah, but how is that ever going to happen? And he said, shut up. <laughs> the, the angel said, yeah, we're going to shut you up, dude. Now that he's agreeing. 
It says, then, it says immediately his mouth was open and his tongue loosed. Alright? Showing again that he was only dumb, okay? Not deaf. And after nine months of thinking about and sincerely repenting over his initial disappointing, embarrassing, faithless response to God's angel, it says he spoke, praising God. I like that, that he actually praised God. Amen? Verse 65. <laughs> then fear came on all who dwelt around them, or literally all living around them were awestruck. And all these sayings were discussed throughout all the hill country of Judea. William Hendrickson writes, The events recorded remained for a long time one of the chief topics of conversation among the people living in the hill country of Judea. Many indeed were the strange and wonderful incidents that had taken place. Zechariah's vision in the temple, his inability to address the people who were waiting his return from the altar of incense, the birth of a child to parents well advanced in years, the fact that a boy had been predicted and a boy had been born, the unambiguous manner in which contrary to the persistent urging of neighbors and relatives, both parents had insisted on naming the boy John. The sudden opening of the aged priest's lips as an immediate reward of his obedience and the sincere and enthusiastic manner in which he then praised God. In other words, the birth of John as opposed to that of Jesus was very public. There was nothing questionable about any of it. And John's parents were both well-loved and well-respected members of the community, or the Jewish community. Hmm? And so it says in verse 60, that's very important. That's why they never questioned John. They called Jesus a lot of things, but they never questioned John. Okay? Alright. Verse 66. And it says, and we'll finish here for, the, for, for this session, and all those who heard them kept them in their hearts, saying, What kind of child will this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. In other words, the people pondered the significance of and laid up in their hearts all that had taken place, wondering particularly what these incidents might indicate with respect to the character and the future role of this child. And in this, their hopes ran high. Now, it's obvious from all this that John the Baptist's reputation began to spread from this time forward, especially among religious circles, since both his parents were well known within the religious hierarchy. We'll stop there and pick up in verse 67 in session 2. Take a break. <laughs>